Welcome to episode three of Jagged Parts. For those of you who know me personally, might know that I love dance. I trained in several forms of Latin dance, salsa, mambo, cha-cha, bachata for many years. I used to be in multiple performance teams, traveled all over North America for congresses. I loved the connection to music and the ability to connect with your dance partner on a subconscious level and find freedom of expression within that connection. Now it's more of just a social activity for me, which I still do enjoy. But I don't think that even back then when I was doing it on a more serious level, I could ever have called myself a professional dancer. Well, my guest on episode three definitely was one. Callie has been a performer for her entire life. She began dancing at the age of four and transitioned into acting only recently. She's fallen in love with storytelling and studying the human condition. Being both an artist and a scientist, she's always open to new opportunities to understand why things work the way they do. Her credits include The Flash, Disney's Descendants 2, and Once Upon a Time. Her most recent work includes acting in a highly anticipated TV pilot and dancing in the 2018 rendition of Freaky Friday. Looking for ways to find her own voice, she's currently developing her own project involving Latin dancing, stunts, and acting. Without further ado, Callie Hu. Callie, welcome to Jagged Parts, episode number three. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you doing? Really good, really good. Yeah. It's been a nice sunny day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Callie, um, why don't we start off with a bit of an origin story? So tell us where you were born, where you grew up, and how you got into the arts. Sure. I grew up and was born in Richmond, which is a little bit south of Vancouver, Okay, just over the bridge. Mm -hmm. I started dance at the age of four. Wow, that's young. <laughs> what kind of dance did you start off in? I started, um, a lot of dancers will know this. Um, we do a lot of, uh, well, ballet, first of all. Okay. Um, and and so in preschool and whatnot, you have these packages, which include jazz, tap, and ballet. And right. then you do all three, and then you kind of learn what you like, and it, it's nice that way. Um, a lot of studios offer that package for younger students. Um, but I ended up going to a preschool that was a fine, art, fine arts preschool. Okay. Um, wow, a fine arts preschool. <laughs> wow, they started you early, huh? Yeah, my mother, my mother knew me when I was young. Uh, my, I have an older brother. Okay. He's about seven years my senior. Okay. And he was put into a math and science kind of preschool where they did things like that and didn't really interest me too much. Okay. Um, and because she saw, because they always drew and, and made things at home. Right. Um, so it was a really fun time. During the day, I would paint pictures and um, play games. <laughs> and at nighttime, I would go to piano class and um, dance. Sounds like a fun childhood. So was it something that your uh, parents forced you into? Or was it something you naturally gravitated towards at four? <laughs> Definitely not gravitated towards. I was forced by my mother, okay. who could see... No, I, I, it was always a thing I did because I was rather, you know, good at and I knew my body from young age. Mm -hmm. um, and I would cry every single time I went. Yeah. I would cry. I was like, I hated it. <laughs> I don't want to go, mom, no. Um, and I was kept forced to and forced to. Uh, when right. you little ballet, unless you really love movement and whatnot from young age. Of course. Ballet's not, you know, the best place to be. You have to put your hair in a bun. Yeah, at and, four you want to just run around, right? Exactly. Not do, uh, what are they called? Uh, when you uh, put your leg up there and you press down uh, 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 with one leg, or maybe I'm just making that up. <laughs> maybe isn't that, how isn't that how ballet dancers stretch? They put one leg up on, on the, the bar, bar and then they like <laughs> go down with the other leg. It might sometimes, yeah. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's just the stereotypical image that we're fed in movies, and, like, Black Swan or whatever. Perhaps we, we do it sometimes, but mostly when you're older. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good to know. Um, so okay, so you started dancing at four, and then um, so you got into you started with ballet, then. Uh, tell us about your journey in dance. So how did that, did that evolve over the years? Because you did do it for a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. And you, we can talk about if you still do it or not. But yeah, just tell us about your evolution in dance. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I was dancing and I just kept going. And my mom was like, you have to go. You have to go. <laughs> Don't take your piano classes. Um, I was also a competitive swimmer when I was younger. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I loved it because I had a lot of friends there and I had a fun time. Nice. You know, when you're young, you just want to splash around. Right. 
so I grew older and I was doing both and it became to a part where I couldn't do both anymore because of time mm-hmm. and I met this one one amazing teacher who just kicked my ass okay. I was 12 and and she just kicked my ass and um helped me become like like a really good dancer and okay. I'm like you know this is I might be good at this I, how I, old were you when you met that teacher 12 okay did you hate that teacher at first because they were a strict disciplinarian or pushed you too hard no i, I was craving something harder maybe oh really yeah. even at that age you wanted it you yeah. wanted it that kind of discipline mm-hmm. I, I, and ballet and dance classes if you're if you're good they single you out a lot and they put you in the right. front and um so you were the person in the front <laughs> i don't I don't want to my own horn but yes when i was young. oh no, that's not blowing your own um, horn we're just stating facts <laughs> were you the front or were you the back i was in the front a lot okay that's something to be proud of <laughs> thank you um and uh, that was a thing so she saw that i needed to be pushed and she did push me and i realized that you know i actually like this right i actually like what i see in the mirror now versus what i had before maybe that's why i didn't like it because i right. wasn't where i wanted to be and she realized you know i was growing out of the studio who was more like a fine arts it was still the same studio actually that i went to preschool at. okay so um i was getting a bit too old for it mm-hmm. and so from there i decided to stop swimming because i couldn't do both at the same time right um and then went to this other studio in burnaby which is you know a bigger trek than what i was doing in richmond and what happened was that i fell in love with it you know i just was so dedicated i, I wanted to be this amazing dancer so at this so you're 12 or 13 at that point at this point, 13, 14. And how many hours a week are you dancing? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. I miss those days where I could do like like a, like a full-time job almost. So you're dancing 30, up to four, 30, 40 hours a week? Yeah. Wow. And then on top of that, you're doing school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trying to do clubs and everything. And um, it, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was that a lot sounds of like a lot. Yeah. It, it was a lot of... Um, late nights i started actually in grade seven staying up to 1 a.m to do my homework i was just a very big overachiever um yeah as an asian family my my dad was very not i wouldn't say strict but they just knew i could do better Mm -hmm. and i would always do better and aim for better right uh so you know type a hyper like gotta gotta do everything right so throughout ballet and and jazz and then it's moved into contemporary modern it really really paved the way for that and, and my discipline mm-hmm. um, around that time when, when I was 15 I entered a hip-hop dance crew as well so not only was I doing school and clubs like student council right student council nerd <laughs> yeah I was also at two different dance studios okay uh, with the commitment for both was very high okay so at this point you're 15 16 and you got into hip-hop and is that kind of your transition into more um, you could say professional or pre- performance oriented dance a little bit of both so okay. that new studio I went to and the hip-hop crew I joined, they are both very high-level um, facilities. Okay. And so what happens is that, you know, there's something called the World Hip-Hop Dance Championships that a lot of hip-hop dancers here in Vancouver, we, they go to. Actually, it's happening right now. Mm. It's August 6th today, yes. They're all they're all in Arizona right now. Okay. And so both uh, both areas were... Um, studios were were pushing us really hard okay and because of that i was able to travel to las vegas at that time for hip-hop international and my other studio went to new york to to compete okay and we would win scholarships at conventions and then bring us to other like national conventions and at that time when i was 15 16 i was performing at a international slash national level oh wow and i realized you know i'm really good at this and i you know everyone's like are you gonna go professional are you gonna go professional like i don't know i i'm asian i need to have like be a doctor or a lawyer (laughs) Um, and I need to do well. I need to have a good lifestyle and, right. um, not listening to my parents, you know, I had my rebellious phase around 18 mm. <laughs> where I was just like, no, I'm going to, you know, do this stuff. Um, so I wasn't ever sure that I, you know, wanted to be a dancer. And then I went to university and that's the state. Um, I joined the source dance company, which is at Harbor Dancer okay. a training company, uh, <clears throat> performed with them for a year and also stayed with my hip hop dance crew. And it wasn't until I graduated university where I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing anymore. Right. Like, you know, what did you study in university? Oh, I studied cognitive systems. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> See, I get that re- response all the time. Okay. Um, any COGS friends listening right now? Uh, COGS, is that, what you, Cogs. Is that how you call yourself? Yeah. COGS, Cogs. Cogs? Okay. Um, Cogs, Cogs in the wheel? Cogs in the wheel. <laughs> um, we study, oh gosh, it's a very interdisciplinary area. Oh, 
field of study because you know everything's moving so fast now the the talks between human machine integration and translating that to the public and and stuff um there, there's a field that's developed because of it okay. and when you're in that area or the, in that major you study uh, philosophy computer science psychology and linguistics mm-hmm. and basically it's, it's about natural and artificial systems and how they interrelate okay um, in our bodies in the real world so <laughs> oh, wow interesting yeah it kind of almost goes along with uh i mean uh body mechanics right exactly. how, how the body works so it's mm-hmm. it is it is related to you know what the, your other passion mm-hmm. dance and, and exactly. understanding the body how it works overall right mm-hmm. so tell us about um how did you go from being in hip-hop groups and performing and and kind of being at that professional level to start dancing in the film and television industry how did that <laughs> transition happen yeah that's a funny one I um I would go to auditions. Okay. You know, auditions was, for for what? Um, giant catacalls for dance. Um, okay. Dance thing. So you know, Paul Becker is a really big choreographer in Canada. Okay. And he, he and and a lot of other choreographers when they would come to town, um, and have a movie or a TV show, they would host auditions, and you go to Harbor Dance Center. Um, for a lot of my non-dancer, uh, people listening, <laughs> you go to those auditions. Um, you wait in line and you go and you learn a combo and you perform. Right. Um, and then they choose who goes to callbacks and stuff. It's, it's very different from an acting um, audition. Yeah, I have seen some of those. So you think you, you can dance like initial auditions. There's so many people there, mm, right? Yeah. yeah, it is like a, a catalog call. Um, so, okay, so you so these are auditions to be dancers in concerts or whatnot. Is that true? Or? Concerts or TV shows when they or need TV shows someone, as well. you know. Um, oh, so interesting. So even TV shows, that's how they recruit dancers? Mm-hmm. Just these massive audi- open auditions? Sometimes. Um, okay. How do they know what they want? Like, give us an example of oh. a TV show that auditioned for dancers in such a way and did they even know what they were looking for mm-hmm. that's really interesting i've never been on that side of the table i i the breakdown i would get or breakdown for you know in, in dancer format would be you know you see a posting on you know the harvard dance center website mm-hmm. and they're like oh um this show is looking for dancers audition this day callbacks this day um they might looking for freestyle dancers or hip hop dancers or contemporary jazz dancers. Oh, oh, so they would never. They don't really give you any details on what the, you know, the episode is about or you know, the scene is happening in, in the street <laughs> where there's a there's a hip hop crew dancing in the background and that's why that's a, there's no context around the story or what's going on in the episode or the show. Really dependent on the show. Okay. Yeah. So give us an example of like some of the shows you started working on like this. Um, for example, for Once Upon a Time. Okay. There was like, oh, uh, Once Upon a Time has this audition. Um, come dressed, uh, or they're looking for jazz dancers with strong technique. Um, is uh, yes, and go ahead. Uh, they're looking for jazz dancers for strong technique or and then good performance quality. Okay. And sometimes they'll tell you, oh, we're something that's fitting for this era or this era. Um, they don't give too much information about the specific episode. Okay. Um, you sometimes learn it more when you get there uh, and yeah. so there's a choreographer there who mm-hmm. i guess has more information and they kind of mm-hmm. direct you based on what they know right mm-hmm. okay so was once upon a time the first show that you worked on as a dancer not actually i auditioned a few times um so this goes into the first question from before i i would audition a lot and and not make it <laughs> a lot and i would feel terrible and i would go to cafe crepe across the street and get a nutella milkshake <laughs> they have really good milkshakes you should probably try yeah <laughs> Um, and so what happens is, you know, that never happened. And so the very first one was actually after university. This is, um, when I was panicking about not knowing what to do. Right. I, I have to track, backtrack a little bit. Sure. I applied to a master's in Barcelona. Um, okay. And a degree called, a one-year degree called um, Cognitive Systems and Interactive Media. Okay. So it's a, like, communications degree and, and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm all set to go. My visa's almost ready. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have everything good to go. And then I see this posting for Descendants 2. Okay. It's um, a Disney uh, movie. Right. Yeah. Um, and Kenny Ortega, who did High School Musical, uh-huh. um, was, court, was you know, directing. And Tony Testa, who I grew up going to conventions with in New York and, and, and Portland, just taking his classes and looking up to him so much because he's just a phenomenal individual. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I need to, I need to audition for this. Yeah. Um, we'll make something work. I just want to see. I've never booked anything before. Right. Might as well just go have fun. So right. I went. It was like a three day audition, and I, I got it. It's my very first one. Wow. Yeah. 
interesting interesting that that's the one you booked right mm-hmm. when you were like fuck it i'm probably not gonna get it but mm-hmm. might as well just give my best and have a good time exactly and when i was scheduled to leave to barcelona for a year and start this new adventure and it, it was crazy <laughs> fate intervened it does it did cool okay so uh so what did you do in that film what, tell us about like your experience working in that film how many days were you on it what did you do exactly what was the experience like working with the crew and mm-hmm. the actors or and tell us it's very interesting it was, wow, um, an amazing experience. Just my first time. I, I used to do background work a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like, I, I realized I loved working on set. And right. that I knew that. And I just loved meeting new people. And you know me. I just mm-hmm. talked to random strangers on the street. <laughs> and so we were, you know, going the first day. And everyone's so excited. And it was just days of workshopping. Tony and, and the, the, the crew, um, the choreography crew was just very open to ideas. And I, I've never experienced that really before with choreographers who would just be like, let's, this is the goal. Let's all work together and, and try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. A lot of choreographers are like that. And I, I, I just, um, before then, didn't have so much free reign to contribute. And I was, I was shocked, <laughs> really. Wow. They were very open to mm-hmm. collaboration. So is... How much does the director of the film get involved with the choreography? Or do they just talk to the main choreographer and then the choreographer kind of translates that to you? Or does the, the, did the director ever talk directly to the dancers too? Mm-hmm. Kenny was great in that. He, he loved his, his team and he would speak to us and, you know, give ideas. And at the very first day, actually, we had we met all with him and then he just ran through the storyboard with us, you know, how from beginning to end, how the movie was going to be like. Um, obviously for each director it must be different um, but I know that the directors always work closely with the choreographers to bring their vision to life Right. and I guess that's a good strength of a choreographer is to know what they want and, and make it happen so sometimes we'll workshop a thing and, and Tony would um, get us all to do this and we would choreograph it and the, his assistants Louise and Jeff oh bless their souls they're so amazing and Morgan and, and everyone they would we would all workshop it and, and make something presentable and then you know Sometimes Kenny would see it and love it. Sometimes like, can we, can we do something else? And, and we'll shift mm. it around and move it around. And sometimes what we, you know, the, the half minute we made would get completely scrapped and then we just start somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds like every day was a different adventure. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> cool. So what else did you work on as a dancer? It was funny, actually. Um, we were split up into two groups. There okay. were, if you watch the second movie of Descendants, there were pirates, pirate okay. dancers, and then Ordonian dancers who were... What dancers? Ordonian. <laughs> what does that mean? So... I, I haven't watched the film. Oh, yeah. So I don't even know what the film's about. A quick so. synopsis. Okay. Um, the Descendants franchise is... You know, uh, when you say de- Descendants, I know it's not the same one, but like the George Clooney yeah. one is the one that came out of my head. A lot of people think that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, there wasn't a second one, right? I'm like, oh, the Disney one, right? Yeah, a anyway, lot of people on. like I've talked to, oh my God, you're going to work with... I'm like, no, no. no I'm like, there was no Disney. dancers in that. Like, I don't remember seeing any dancers. It was just like this ugly George Clooney run. I just remember him running in flip-flops, you know, with that Hawaiian shirt. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> Uh, he was good though but anyway go on <laughs> um, so we split up into pirates and, and Oridonians Oridonians were the high sc- I have to backtrack we basically it was it, the story set where it was about the sons and daughters of all the major Disney characters and there's some place called the Isle and some place called Oridon okay. where all the good kids and all the good characters lived okay. and then the Isles where all the villains lived Okay. So they would bring, um, in the first movie, they would bring a bunch of the villain kids over to Oridon and see, you know, if they live there in peace and everything. And if they did, they would bring more people over. Right. So in the second movie, um, the king of Oridon didn't do that. And eventually there was this character um, who, who ended up being pissed off by that. And she had, um, she was actually Ursula's daughter, the, the one with tentacles. Okay. From Little Mermaid. Yeah, I know Ursula. Yeah. You know her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, what happened was that she started her own type of revolt, and she had pirates. So okay. there's pirates there. Got it. And I was in the Oridon section. Okay. So the pirates worked closely with stunt crew because there are a lot of fight scenes and sword fighting. Okay. Um, so as a dancer, I was you know learning choreography and performing it, and and there was this one scene where we're in this boat filled like with a few inches of water, and we're dancing in water and workshopping that without the water there. Mm-hmm. So we we're doing things like that, um, and then the the room that we were rehearsing would sometimes be split in two, so the pirates would work on one side and okay. the Ordon would work on the other. Okay. And we would see them working on stunts and stuff. And then, so during breaks, sometimes I would ask the stunt coordinators, like, hey, 
he teaches a sword stuff. Like, oh, so, so I, you were kind of interested in, in learning stunts too? Mm-hmm. I am still interested in learning it, actually. Okay. Um, I've been training with some friends here and there and working oh, on cool. projects. But we, I was like, hey, can, can, you, can you teach me? <laughs> and right. so I, would learn, I learned a little bit of sword fighting and whatnot. It was nice. really cool. Nice, very so nice. You wouldn't expect on Disney. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. Um, so after Descendants 2, um, what was the next or some other projects you worked on as a dancer? Um, I think it was Once Upon a Time. Okay. And what did you? What were you doing in that? I was a dancer. I was in a um, ball scene. I think it's when... Um, oh, like a ballroom dancer? Oh, no, no, no. I was a contemporary jazz dancer, but I did like a lot of partner work in it. I get lifted a lot. Uh, I'm a small girl, so I often get at parts where I, I get lifted or have partner work. Okay. Is, I really like. I like partner work a lot. And we were just... We were dancing in a wedding. So it was just a coordinated wedding, you know, musical scene where they... Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also worked on The Flash as a dancer. How was that experience? That was so cool. Yeah? I loved it. Um, it was really funny later, though. Uh, a few, like six months later, I actually got on the show as an actress. Oh, cool. Uh, in the same season. It was really cool. Did, did, how was, how did you, what was the difference between being on the show as a dancer and then as an actor? Which is something I want to get into yeah, as well. But uh, like the difference between the dance world and the acting world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, on that show... What did you find being on as a dancer and then going back as an actor? It's it's something extremely different. It is actually something that sold me of trying to want to be an actor more. Okay. Um, this is a great segue. Yeah. What is, uh, why is it different? <laughs> Are you treated differently? And it's not about the flash, but in general. Yeah, like, in general. Dancers are treated differently than actors? A little bit. It depends on the production and, and how much the choreographer fights or the, the, your agents fight for you. I actually don't have an agent for dance. I only have an agent for um, acting. Right. Uh, so when you're a dancer, you know, it's it's it, it goes back and forth between kind of, you know, being put up by a more like background. Sometimes you're put, like, treated mm. a little bit more like background or you're treated more like like cast, like like uh, like um, have, you have a trailer or whatnot. Right. And it turns back and forth. Um, you're then, paid pretty well though right yeah very yeah. well it's very I think nice. it's the top category like along with stunt right more than like basically like of course if you're a guest star or series regular mm-hmm. you're gonna make more but like I think you're making more than a principal actor yes right? I think so I like even like a principal role you're making more than a principal role as a dancer I just remember looking at the union rights mm-hmm. for per hour it gets it's pretty pretty yeah. nice yeah. Um, obviously I love both right I never hit um, right but as, as a dancer, you know, you, you have a tent and you bring your own jackets and to keep warm and you need to keep, make sure you do your warm ups and make sure everything's warm. And, right. um, you know, I just remember being on the set of Freaky Friday, um, another movie I danced on. Okay. And it was freezing in North Vancouver. Mm. Um, and then there were heaters around and they gave us like hand warmers, which was so nice of them. And everyone's obviously nice to you. And, and right. I've never met a lot of people disagree, but I've never really met someone who's been like like really mean to me on set but right. maybe it's just because I'm always like hey what's up um, yeah you're a positive person oh, and positive you. energy attracts more positive <laughs> energy right thank you I hope I didn't sound naive by saying that no not at all but it's a great segue so tell us about um, sounds like uh, those were kind of the projects so mm-hmm. you did Once Upon a Time and then you did uh, Freaky Fridays and that's when you started to transition into acting that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like mm-hmm. so first of all what made you want to transition mm-hmm. so It kind of a few things that um, kind of come off from the last question you said. When I was um, on Descendants, I my agent just found me out of the blue. Um, this is a long story. Your pr- uh, principal acting agent. Yes, my principal acting agent. He's amazing. I love him. I was just very very fortunate that there was a posting on Facebook that was like, hey, we need an Asian actor to submit for this commercial. Okay. Um, I'm like, sure, I'm going to submit. I don't know who you are. This right. could be dangerous. I don't care. <laughs> I'm very interested. <laughs> it's like, cool, I submit. You are very naive, Kelly. <laughs> I'm better now. I'm joking. That was a few I'm years ago. <laughs> I, and, I, and he's like, yeah, just go to the As website. long as you don't reply to Craigslist postings like no, that. No, no, no. I only submit, reply to like a couple and then, and then when... I saw the bloody knife that one time. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, so so yeah, you met your 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 agent. They they called Basically. you in, and, and I went, and he was like, I like your luck. You want to join? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so oh, so it's it's uh, so you kind of just almost fell into it. Definitely. So it wasn't really like a choice necessarily. And how long ago was that? A year and a half. Oh wow! So two. still quite, re- still fairly recent. Mm-hmm. So. 
so how do how then how once you started you know you have a principal agent and now you're going for auditions for principal acting as well right how did you start to navigate and this is also a great uh i think our listeners who are also possibly dancers professional dancers who are just transitioning into acting you know of course acting is also performance arts and their dancers are already very comfortable in their bodies and uh, performing Mm -hmm. but acting is still slightly different Mm -hmm. so when you first started acting especially on camera what were some of the challenges you faced and what were the adjustments you had to make to get more comfortable in front of the camera mm-hmm. and act? Because also, as you know, for principal, for acting on camera, stillness is a big thing, mm-hmm. right? And you have to be able to just relax into the stillness and, and, and um, not be so perfect in all your moves, and right? Mm-hmm. So talk a bit about those experiences. <laughs> this one's an interesting one. Um, as a dancer, and anyone, any dancers listening will... I hope you nod your head to this, but um, you have this image of perfection in your mind. At least that was for me. Um, you know, you're always in front of a mirror eight hours, four to eight hours a day, and you're just looking at yourself, and this doesn't look right, this doesn't look right. Okay, and you turn this, and you're always constantly using that feedback from what you see mm-hmm. to change yourself and make yourself better. And like, and and, and you're working hard because you know the end goal. You know that when you know when it looks good, right? Um, and when it feels good, you you know. Um, Acting is very, very different from that, as in not necessarily what feels good technically looks the best or looks is appropriate for the scene. Right. Sometimes, you know, the thing that makes you feel like shit, you know, you know, right. uh, is the best thing for the scene because right. um, that's truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't, you, you will never be perfect in your eye on camera. Um, you'll, you won't. As a dancer, you're supposed to look perfect. I, I know it's an art form where you know you express yourself, but still the body movement is still beautiful, even if it's in a weird um, style. It's still like there, there's a there's kind of a right and there's kind of a wrong. In my mm-hmm. opinion, at least, I could be wrong. If feel you mean in dance, there is a, dance. there is a clear definition yeah. of what's right and what's wrong. At least in ballet, right. um, not necessarily too much in modern. Mm-hmm. Um, in hip hop, you know, it's it's you you can physically see it obviously um, with acting it's, it's all about like energy and stillness and what's behind the eyes and as a dancer you're acting um when you do stage acting because i act mostly on stage it's like when you're pointing over there it's not over there it's like over there so the back row can see it um, right. probably in theater acting as well but a bit more because you can't speak right as a dancer right so being an actor doing that uh <laughs> the thing where it's like overacting really mm-hmm. like really was a thing for me right you had to rein it in mm-hmm. rein it in and also realize that you're not going to look amazing every single second you're out there mm-hmm. which is very different from dance because you always want to look every single angle you know you want to make sure your techniques right so then from an angle from you know the far right mm-hmm. side of the stage or the audience they, they'll see something good still right yeah and it's all about angles to the audience that can make you look even better on stage right but for this it's um it was just so open and honest and and, and naked honestly so it sounds like one of the top tips you're giving um, dancers who are aspiring actors is just let go of perfection mm-hmm. or this notion of perfection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you were you were in class that time um, <laughs> that I had the panic attack, mm-hmm. uh, and and then the teacher was like, what, what, "Why are you panicking? It's it's a safe space. There's there's no reason, you know, acting's your haven." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. I don't I don't understand," and I understand you know my background in in, in sciences and, and or like schooling and going to grad school and that never happening and 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 being this like perfect dancer that was always in the front right yeah it was it was one of those things where like huh (laughs) like it really shocked me out of it and being able to not have to see myself perfectly Mm-hmm. And and for a dancer, seeing yourself on camera, oh, it's the worst thing. It's hard for anybody, but especially right. for a dancer who's never had to scrutinize themselves that closely and, mm-hmm. and see what's behind their eyes, who ignore pain when they're dancing because it's the way to go. Just to actually look at their own pain has is is it's a amazing yet terrifying experience. Yeah, and I mean, I've uh, never been a professional dancer. I mean, I enjoy Latin dance. <laughs> I enjoy Latin dances, you know, I dabble in it, but I would definitely not call myself a professional dancer. Um, but it seems like one of the biggest differences from the outside, at least, is, you know, dancers, when you, we go watch a show, they're the embodiment of what's beautiful in this world, 
of what is graceful, what is inspiring in movement, and and it's people watch it and admire it because maybe they can't physically do that themselves, right? So there is that little bit of whatever you call it, perfection or like uh, proficiency, right? Right. Whereas in acting, I mean, of course, there's proficiency, but when you watch a performance, you connect most to what's raw and real as opposed to an ideal, if that makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. Right, like like, maybe just a specific example would elaborate this more. If you're watching a performance, but it doesn't matter if it's on stage or on film, and the actor actually forgets their lines, but they're but they're in character and they're totally invested in the moment. Those are some of the best moments because you connect to them and you just feel what they're feeling and and then they find the line or or they come up with it in their own words, but it's real and you connect to it. But the equivalent of I guess missing a line or forgetting a line in dancing is if you forget the move, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess good dancers can improvise a bit or pick it up or whatever. But if they're you know. Maybe that can be perceived as um, interrupting the flow of the dance, or you know, especially if you're in a group. If one person is <laughs> off, then it makes the, then it makes the whole thing look off, right? So I think that's maybe it's from the outside that seems like one of the one of the biggest differences. Because like, say it's same with it's same with like, um, I mean, I find there's there's a lot of uh, uh, similarities in terms of the mindset of elite performers, whether it's dance or actors or athletes right there's a mindset thing but then athletes and dancers we look up to in terms of like their physical abilities and we're not looking for them to be vulnerable in front of us you know when you're watching cristiano ronaldo take the free kick you want him to fucking like hit the top corner you're not hoping that he like has a vulnerable moment in front of you or is a real moment we want perfection (laughs) right so it's interesting it's it's not the dancer's fault it's because that's what people go to watch dance for because they want to watch people do shit that they can't do, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like from the outside, that's what it's seeming like the biggest difference. Whereas in acting, people just want to connect to what's real. You know what? I love that you said that, but there's a little asterisk I want to put on that. Okay. With the... Um, dance is a weird one because it's an athletic sport as well as an art. Right. And and whatever... It, it was actually true, both things you said about being an athlete and being an uh, actor that is the same for dance. So like, you know, you can do a contemporary routine where it's like, you can't dance without being raw and real, which is actually Mm -hmm. the weird thing, which may backtrack some of the things I said, but, um, but what, um, Oh, that's just the timer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the light went off. Um, cause you know, everyone, when you're on stage, you know, there, there has to be some degree of technical perfection Mm -hmm. and dance. The technique it's like being able to say words or having a good voice and act. Right. The technique is what delivers the message. And, and obviously when you're in class, you're working your technique. And even in hip hop, there's a technique. Mm-hmm. And you work on the movement. And after all that is there, which is with many professional dancers and, and dancers in general, the ability to emote through that is um, one of the main staples of what makes someone want to watch that. So if you forget your, your steps, like you said, um, you just make it up. Right. Yeah, I, I've been on stage a few times and forgot my steps completely in probably half the dance. But you keep going. Right. Um, so in, in that sense, it's still the same as acting. Right. Um, it's just, it's different because then, you know, as I said, there's, you can see what technically is really good mm-hmm. um, and, and perfect. And But then you can also see, you can see a dance performance with great technical perfection and no emotionality and you don't want to watch that dance that that long it's mechanical exactly and or you can have amazing emotionality but really bad technique and then you know still something you really want to right yeah i mean like we're you know we're trying to like in a very um proper way categorize what's different between dance and acting but the truth is there are similarities and there are dissimilarities and it's not so black and white Mm -hmm. right same with acting like the example I would give is like you can watch a very well-trained technical actor on stage Mm -hmm. and it's impressive to watch but there's something that's just so technical that you don't connect to it Mm -hmm. and sometimes you actually see it with very seasoned actors and you can just see that they know what they're doing and the projection is there and whatnot right but it's just 
you don't completely because it's not raw right and in dance is like you said the technique is there but the dancer's not actually feeling the motion that they're doing in that moment mm -hmm. they're executing something that they rehearsed before it's the same actually i think maybe it's one of the similarities is like are you actually executing in the moment or are you executing what you rehearsed before mm -hmm. right you can execute what you rehearsed before a hundred times in the choreography but you're not executing in that particular moment with what you're feeling in that particular moment and then it will just be a little more mechanical mm -hmm. right and i think it's the same with acting mm -hmm. cool that's what makes it art <laughs> so what are in your um again this is not going to be a clear-cut answer and I'm, and I'm not expecting one um, but what are some, let's start off with advantages that you feel you had with all your dance experience going into acting? Mm -hmm. Understanding my body. That's right. the main one. <laughs> right. Um, being able to perform. So though I haven't been acting long, I can grow faster as an actor because I understand how to perform. I understand an audience's point of view. Right. And you know how to stand. Um, mm -hmm. I do admit, though, when I first started, I had a lot of trouble figuring out how to stand normally. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean just stand relaxed and mark? Yeah. You always wanted to like point your toe or, or something? Like, be poised somewhere? Right, like, right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's again going one. back to that perfection, right? You want to present mm -hmm. this yeah. ideal. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Okay. Uh, any other need? Yeah, that's definitely, a, I can mm -hmm. t totally see that. I mean, those that advantage, mm -hmm. understanding your body, understanding performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything else like mindset wise discipline oh definitely um it just you know, understand what goes into your craft right you know? um i've heard a lot of people say um that they think acting is easy and you know you can just jump into it and it's just talking memorizing lines spitting it out um but as a dancer you you have a finer appreciation i believe for that because you mm -hmm. know how many hours go into it mm -hmm. you know how much you sweat in that you know, sense and, and, and blood, sweat and tears. And right. you translate that to acting in the same discipline and mindset. If, if you're a dedicated dancer, you can be, a, you're just a dedicated artist. Mm -hmm. Right. And as an artist, that's what we all are as actors. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some disadvantages? Actually, we already talked about some of them, <laughs> the perfection and aiming for perfection. Mm -hmm. Anything else that comes to mind? I wouldn't say disadvantage, but just something like you had to kind of work to get over to mm -hmm. start from a zero baseline in the acting world. You know what's really funny? It's probably not, might not be for everybody has, that will have this issue if they move into it, but but speaking. Oh, really? <laughs> speaking just in general. I, I've always been like a quiet, like head down, work hard kind of person. Okay. And in dance, I never had to speak. <laughs> right, because your body does the job for yeah. you. Yeah, right? and you know, if someone tells me to move on eight, I'll move on eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any questions? No, I got it from right. looking at you. I can, you know. <laughs> um, so speaking up or, you know, having a voice was... Interesting. So would you say that uh, then maybe for dancers who are getting into acting, I mean, they already understand their body, maybe going into voice classes is something that could be beneficial to start off? 100%. Right? Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say here, I'm not obviously not that seasoned as an actor too much right now, but I hear a lot of people around here saying that Vancouver people don't really work on their voice a lot. Right. Um, I'm definitely one of those. <laughs> um, I think I, we were all a little bit guilty of that. But and yeah I, I, I would highly highly recommend voice training I am looking for teachers right now <laughs> say that again I am personally looking for teachers right okay. now um, the fact that I couldn't even project and I, my, everything was up, stuck in my throat mm -hmm. um, when I first started um, as a dancer sometimes you don't even know that's happening right sometimes you don't even know that there's different parts you can access with your voice mm -hmm. um, and you just need someone to tell you right so yeah uh, um, any other tips for dancers transitioning into acting like what's your would you recommend they go first straight to classes or just sign with an agency and start auditioning <laughs> it, it depends i am probably not the best person to ask because you know it just fell into place right uh which i'm very thankful for i hope i don't sound confused um but i i believe you know take class like take different classes to take mm -hmm. class all around because uh, you know you might get one teacher and then think they're they're there are ways the only way and then you realize there's all these techniques and right you're like whoa okay sure well and there's theater acting and there's film acting and what's the difference so try everything right so try theater try um meisner try alexander tr and you know as a dancer some of these might resonate more with you mm -hmm. and some may not mm -hmm. and and then you just learn so but as a dancer, though, I, I do admit, you know, as an actor, you know this, that it is a financial commitment. Yes, of course. So, um, 
sometimes you might have to choose acting classes or dance classes because you can't afford both. And Can you do both? There are ways. <laughs> okay. Ex- um, do you want to expand on that? Mm-hmm. Well, Especially, you know, let's say, just to give a bit of context, let's say you, you know, like yourself, you've have had an extensive experience uh, uh, in dance and you're getting into acting. As you know, it takes time to build up experience in a, in a newer field. So mm-hmm. just to keep the income streams open still while you're building up in that, how do you kind of pursue both? I found a job that is extremely flexible. Okay. Uh, so that's my biggest tip. Find something that's extremely flexible that will let you go to auditions. Right. Or you know, that you can find a way. Um, I know a lot of actor friends have a really tough time with this. So you, people do a lot of shift work. Like, uh, but, but are you able to do dance and acting at the same time? Oh, dance time? and acting. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because you have to find time to split your time. I personally can't practice as much as I used to with dance. Right. And I, I feel pretty shitty about that. Um, but honestly, right now, my passion has been more like learning how to act. Right. Um, and because and I am newer, I've been putting a lot more re- resources into that. So selecting, mm-hmm. you know, here and there what you want to do. I still take classes uh, when I can, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't afford it, there's ways, you know, find a friend who can just run lines with you, scenes with you. Yeah. Um, uh, actor support groups and stuff. And you'll find a way to schedule and balance all that if you really want right but it's hard to kind of work professionally both as a dancer and then professionally as an actor right because if you're taking on a professional dance gig first of all i'm assuming that's a lot of commitment in terms of hours of rehearsals and whatnot and then auditioning along with that can probably be hard right in terms of commitment Mm -hmm. it all depends on on you know sometimes dance gigs are like weeks long on descendants it was a couple months okay on and off from week to week and the dates would change here and there so you have to Mm -hmm. be flexible um and as you know but sometimes it's one day and then you film on the next day right and it's exactly the same as acting so uh, for me i just had to tell my agent when i book something or if i had an audition and he wouldn't he would just organize it so i wouldn't have an audition falling on the same just day. book out mm-hmm. okay um what are a few things that you wish you knew that you know now that you wish you knew maybe like let's start off with maybe when you started acting so you've been acting, let's say, for about two years now, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you know now about acting that you wished you knew two years ago? <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> not not about the acting technique, mm-hmm. but more about just the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. What to do, what to not do. Oh, yeah. Um, when I first came in, I did not know that you can get coaching for auditions <laughs> you like, know, you're on your own like yeah like i was doing everything on my own i, I think i was panicking i had no clue what to do right um just show up and do the thing right um because dancing you don't you don't have coaching before right um you just go and you learn a choreography and you do it and i was like it's interesting oh. i've thought about this a lot and some actors uh i mean as you know i coach actors but i also co- get coached myself mm-hmm. and i think this is like this is like I draw a lot of analogies as you know from sport Mm -hmm. the top athletes in the world have coaches so uh, sometimes actors always almost have this thing that if they're at a certain level that you know oh I don't get coached why not Mm -hmm. you know it's not that someone's teaching you how to do it it's just you're working with someone who can get the best performance out of you Mm -hmm. right the most elite athletes in the world have coaches Usain Bolt has a coach (laughs) so why would you not right Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when I came in, that, that, that concept was so foreign to me. Right. Because it was never like, I don't know, it just wasn't a thing. Unless you had like a preset type of choreography that you brought into the room. Um, and so you can get the choreographer or teacher to help you. Right. But mostly you went there and learned the choreography, performed it on the spot, and you left. <laughs> right. So with acting, when you had like one or two days to prepare, it was like, you can get acting last minute. Like people will actually drop stuff and help you. Like, yeah. You just have to pay them like this and they'll do the self tape for you. Like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Right. <laughs> what else? Um, oh, I would say learn how to work on set or learn, learn who is who on set. Right. Um, you know, technically like what is the ring gaffer? What mm-hmm. is a Jenny up? Like what is like, like, like lamp up? So you can see who was doing what and, and you know, can get out of their way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. If you can get out of their way, you learn, you know, what circus is if you've never been on set before. Right. I wouldn't have known, mm-hmm. um, unless I had done Yeah. Coming from a <laughs> dancer, you first time you hear circus, you're like, oh. Cool. cool. There's a circus on set? Circus. Okay, well, I, I don't have any clown shoes. Um, I know there's film has such a weird, uh, its own terminology too, mm-hmm. right? 
I mean, uh, as you know, now I uh, I do some other things in on film mm-hmm. other than acting. I do stand-in work, and we're also working with the union, right? Mm-hmm. And I also did a few days as a PA when I first got here. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get a walkie, and then you're hearing these instructions like, "All right, I'm taking a ten-one," and you're like, "What? <laughs> oh, going to the bathroom? That's a ten-one." You know, I'm like, "Why wouldn't you? Why would you say it? like ten-one? Okay, right? There's mm-hmm. terminology for everything, exactly, right? And you're just like, okay, what the hell is going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely good tip familiarize yourself with everything mm-hmm. um, oh and familiarize yourself with the call sheet yes yeah a lot of people don't know how to read the call sheets and I didn't know for a, a while and then you just have to google things and just search it up and mm-hmm. yeah show up early yeah 10 minutes early, early. <laughs> um, anything to avoid anything to avoid oh talking on set so just in general, um, you know, as dance dancers, we're very close mm-hmm. and we make jokes and whatnot. And a lot of people know it's common sense. I'm not saying everyone does it, but I'm like, uh, I've been on a few times where people, you know, talk and you know, right. I've been guilty of it where you, you're, you do a thing and they're resetting and then, you know, just the, just the amount of chatter, but like a lot of people yes. around. It's, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I see this, uh, like sometimes when you have a lot of background performers, they'll just chit chat nonstop. actually i was uh i'm not gonna mention the show but like the ad was getting so frustrated at one point he there were more than 100 background and he basically just said like if you don't shut up i'm gonna fire half of you because they're trying to concentrate and set up shots while everyone's just like chit chat right so definitely be a professional and that also implies to like learning what everyone's doing on set right and then knowing beforehand so you you know don't step on any toes. Yeah. And the bringing a professional part is, you know, it's a business still. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think everyone needs to learn still is just like it, it's it's a business and, and it's, it's work. You're, right. you're there to get work done. Right. So I have another question for you, again, from a dancer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, do you now, now that you're focusing more on acting, not hide, but not overly present the fact that you were a dancer? Can that actually work against you in the fact that, Maybe they might um, not take you as seriously before they start seeing you work. They're like, oh, this person's a dancer, hence my expectation is different of them. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of posing the no, question that's here. That's a good question. I, and the reason I say this, uh, I'll give you some background context yeah. myself. I don't know if you know, uh, I have an engineering degree. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> you didn't know this because I don't tell a lot of people. Now I tell more. Uh, before I found it actually people judge me because they're like oh he's why is he why is he acting right or he probably sucks um especially when i when i first started and i get that i mean at that point i probably did suck but i've I've put in my time and you know um in life you can go from anywhere to anywhere Mm -hmm. but sometimes people just like put labels on you right away oh so and so is a dancer so i already have different expectations of them before i even see them do anything Mm -hmm. so personally i used to not hide but just not advertise it Mm -hmm. Uh, until I realized, well, no, actually, it shows that I'm a more whole person. I've done a lot of different things in my life, and I'm smart. And, you know, so I'm just wondering, is that something that ever comes up in the dance world? <laughs> you know what? I don't I don't think so, personally. Okay. Uh, obviously, anything I say, I can't speak for everybody. But personally, I, I think it's an asset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every, everyone is looking for more diverse people. Engineering degree, that's amazing. Well, we can play tech guy scientist you know on it no problem you have the vocabulary for it and the understanding and the mental processes for it you know as a dancer i feel like you know anything with movement work um you know auditioning for siren or something like that where you have movement qualities Mm -hmm. that you know you understand your body and and i've gotten actually a lot of auditions just because i have a dance background right um yeah i definitely don't think there would be some sort of like resentment or like no i didn't mean resentment i think maybe another example i can give is i know sometimes people label musical art musical theater grads very fast like Mm -hmm. let's say you graduated with a degree in musical theater right Mm -hmm. uh sometimes people will immediately put you in that box of musical theater oh you're a musical theater person so you do musical theater Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna you know uh put you on a a drama dramatic show Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i see people as it is in this industry actors can get labeled very fast Mm -hmm. right yes so, like, oh, you're a dancer. I don't know if I would want to see you as a doctor on uh, Saving Hope or whatever. Interesting. I, I believe that 
that just comes down to marketing at the end of the day. Right. As we spoke, it was it, the acting and everything and, and dance is a business, you know? So, yeah, it, it, it would affect it. You know, if the casting director thinks of you one way, mm-hmm. they're going to bring you for something. And, and you market yourself by every interaction you have, by your headshots, right. by the way you enter in a room. Um, if they see, like, you only had dance credits on your resume, which I did, mm-hmm. um, sure, I, I can't get into their mind and, and tell you that they thought, diff- or they categorized me a certain way. Yeah. But... You know, maybe they did, or maybe they didn't. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, yeah. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think what you said, you just got to know how to market yourself, right? And if you, uh, everyone is going to have a different experience. Mm-hmm. Some people might feel they're getting typecast, and then they just have to have the awareness and then mm-hmm. mar- try to market themselves in a different way. It's also, do they do they look like a dancer? I know some people have distinct dancer looks. Right. It's a thing. <laughs> um, and the way they dress and whatnot. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, like oh you look like a dancer like perfect you need yeah to wear, you know? i think it comes down to i mean i wanted to hear your thoughts on this and uh having heard that i also feel like it comes down to uh i think you have to you know you're auditioning or you're you book a job and you play the part you have to just be that part mm-hmm. right like let's say you're playing a lawyer or like a demure character don't come in if you because you know a lot of dancers in a good way are very flashy they got you know a lot of bling bling <laughs> don't bring that into the room when you're auditioning for a lawyer mm-hmm. or a character that's not that mm-hmm. you know what i mean maybe that's maybe what i was going you have the adaptability to do that right because mm-hmm. then it just takes away the from the believability like you know you if you come in with a blue mohawk like <laughs> reading for i mean uh the good doctor as a doctor it's just going to take away from that believability right mm-hmm. Just adapt, I guess. Mm-hmm, it's adaptability, and actually, a thing I, I first started doing when I went to audition rooms because you know I thought it was like a, like a like dance. You're supposed to you mm-hmm. know dress the part and you know go go bed over and beyond and like really show it. Um, I I, fa- I realized I personally was overdressing for auditions. Oh yeah. In a certain character, um, luckily I did that mostly with commercials, so it's mm-hmm. like it, it's okay. Right. Um, but when I went to film and whatnot, uh, I realized you know you you have to start toning it down. You can't wear fatigues to military audition right um you can't you know wear complete scrubs as a nurse to the to the film tv audition Mm -hmm. so yeah cool okay so i'd like to end the podcast episode on um a topic that i really am interested in from everyone's unique perspective what are some challenges I'll, I'll use the word challenges or some people react strongly to the word failure. I think it's just the context around how you think about it. Uh, but I, because I really think that failures are where you learn, not successes. You don't learn much from your successes. You learn most from your failures. As long as you take the time to reflect, pain plus reflection equals growth. So what are some challenges or failures that you've had that you've grown the most from? Oh, wow. <laughs> Challenges or failures. I, when I was 15. Okay. 15 was a big year for me. Yeah. <laughs> or 16. Yeah, actually, I was 15, 16. Um, this goes back to a dance thing. I had, you know, my crew had once again um, gone to the World Hip Hop Dance Championships. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I'm so excited to do this. You know, in the hip hop world, it means a lot. And, but I also had gotten a, a dance scholarship to New York to compete. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, for the Pulse. It's a really big um, U.S. convention. I won the Prodigy Scholarship. So it's it's oh, wow. it's a pretty nice one. And there's like you, all the Prodigies from all the different cities come or go to uh, New York to compete and okay. learn from. So you amazing. were the one picked from Canada? or Picked from, uh, I went to the Las Vegas one, actually. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so I got, I got one from, there's multiple in each city. but okay. And I had the chance to. Um, and and it also includes free free um, conventions throughout the year. Right. So I chose in the end to go to the hip hop world championships because I want to stay with my crew. Okay. Which is totally okay. You know, it was a good. It was, it was my decision, and I didn't use any of the free weekends throughout the year because I was so focused on um, on my schooling. Cause right. I just you know I and it was just schooling, 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 dance when I can, and trying to juggle it and basically killing myself to do both but I, I did it um but you know it, it was what I realized is you know because I chose I was scared to choose to go for what I really wanted is that what you really wanted no I wanted to dance with my crew again but I had done it many years before and and I and I, I I've been studying for years and I just 
you know, scared. Like, what if, what if, you know, I don't do well, or what if, you know, I go and make a big deal about it, and then I just come mm. back, and you know, and I, I never end up going, right? Uh. And I, as one of a big regret, and I wouldn't say necessarily failure, because, but it was, it was a thing that really. It's a hard choice me. to make, yeah, right? Especially when you're that young. And and do I regret going to hip hop world championships? No, I don't regret right. going. It was right. it was great. It was still an amazing experience. But I realized from then like the self and and what you want is really important. And what's re- really funny about that is I regretted uh, not regret. I I reflected on that decision for a long time, mm-hmm. and not only until recently have I realized how substantial it is to to really put yourself first. Yes. And that's the thing. Well, we had talked about this earlier, but right. really learning how to put yourself first, and no one else is going to live your dream. Mm-hmm. And you know, there will be all these factors pulling you this way and that. And and if you really want it, you should go for it. And back yeah. then, I I just didn't go for it. <laughs> so I, I, I yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is why this is my favorite question to ask everyone, because the way you describe, first of all, I don't see that as a failure at all. It's not like you left the world dance and. To, to satisfy your parents became a doctor you didn't do that you're still <laughs> dancing at the hip-hop world championship and you're still in the industry and the arts mm-hmm. um maybe you did not completely go for that big risk mm-hmm. right kind of risking everything to go for the gold mm-hmm. that's how i would describe it right which i think everyone has been in that situation but you took the time to actually reflect on it and you're self-aware enough to reflect on it so i congratulate you on that because now when that moment comes again in your life, and it will, <laughs> you will recognize it from your past and you will recognize that this time you will step up to that occasion because you don't want to have that regret again, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. And um, that's, well, thank you for that. <laughs> no, um, absolutely. Yeah. Just the fact that you were able to reflect on it in that objective manner tells me that. It's, um, it's been a long road to figure all that stuff out, but you know, you have stuff like that. But honestly when you ask me the question about, you know, um, the, the question about, you know, failure or whatnot, I honestly can't see anything. I don't see myself failing, just, just making choices, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I had to dig so far back for an example. Right. Um, cause it was just, it's, I, I don't believe anything in life can be a total failure unless you end up on the street dead. That's no, really, okay. really hard to do. Actually. The only reason, <laughs> I mean, afterwards. none of this, and you know, whenever I ask this question to someone, uh, their answer is never actually a failure. The only reason I say I, I use the word failure and not a choice, because you're right, it is just a choice, is because when you use the word, word failure, people actually at least make the attempt to dig into what could be considered like something mm-hmm. like a failure in their life. Otherwise, people just give very cliched answers. <laughs> they say, well, you know, uh, I auditioned 10 times and didn't get the roles and I was disappointed, but I got over it. I'm like, that's not a failure. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get into like, uh, you could call it a moment of truth. You know, people have these moments of truth in your life where you, uh, it's, you it's, it's a juncture and your choice, uh, not just because you choose a certain path, but it's just like, it's almost you're programming your brain to think like that, right? When you are start taking those chances at an early age, you're programming your brain to rise up to the occasion every time. Because hmm. you're building your, you know, your database of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And you're teaching your brain that it's okay to go for it and if it doesn't work out how you plan to, that's still okay too. Mm-hmm. But the more you program your brain to not go for it, it just gets harder and harder to go for it. Yeah. So, awesome. I think that's a great note to end this episode on. Um, so guys, fuck it. Go for <laughs> it, right? What's uh, what's the alternative? You're either going to go for it or you're not. That's it. It's just a choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you so much, Callie. Well, thank you. <laughs> I really enjoyed that discussion, and I'm so grateful to Callie for talking about her process in such an honest way. I think that there are so many valuable lessons in hearing about other people's challenges and how they overcome them. We realize that we're all very similar. We have similar dreams and aspirations to be great at what we do and face very similar fears, insecurities, and perceived obstacles. But... Having the awareness of when we're making decisions or choices based on fear versus courage is the first step. It's the first step that then allows us to take that leap of faith, step into the unknown, and just go for it. 
Life is about choices and alternatives. The more you make it a habit to make choices out of courage, the more that influences how you do everything. But it's one foot in front of the other one, one step at a time, one day at a time. Confront your fears on a daily basis, and it will become a habit, sending you courage and fortitude. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back soon for episode four of Jagged Parts.